Biz Dads Podcast, Episode 4. I'm your host, Aaron Rittmaster, and with me today are Eric Anderson, Mark Pratt, David Nicely, and Philip Cole. And tonight, we're going to be focusing our attention on Disney's Hollywood Studios. But before we get to that, you might be asking, who are these Diz Dads, and what's up with their podcast? Well, we're a group of fathers from around the world. We represent a range of ages, ethnicities, religious traditions, political beliefs, careers, and interests, but we all share three things. Love for our children, love for all things Disney and Walt Disney World, and participation in the Diz Dads Club threads at thedizboards.com. We're hoping to use this podcast to share all of those things with you. So tonight, like I said, we're going to focus on Disney's Hollywood Studios, and for our first topic, around the horn on our top five Disney's Hollywood Studios attractions. And uh, Eric, why don't you start us out with uh, number five on your list of DHS attractions? Let's see. Number five on my list, I'm just going to say the entire uh, park, just walking around the, the streets. So streetmosphere. It's nice to walk around the streetmosphere, characters. I think it's, it's a great park just to walk around and um, just sort of take your ease walking through. Um, like I said, the streetmosphere characters really do a great job over there. And it, there's a lot of neat stuff to look at. I, I, it, it's a really immersive experience just walking down the street with all the shops. Um, so that's, that's my uh, number five. Okay. Uh, Mark, how about you? I would say the, the backlot tour. It's a nice, it's a nice set down ride. It's what twenty minutes, twenty minutes long, so it's a nice ride to actually kick your feet up and enjoy, just enjoy the the atmosphere that's back there and the, the things that it takes you through the the wardrobe, um, the props, and kind of a, a a fake kind of action sequence as well. Okay, and David, how about you? Uh, I think mine would be the uh, Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular. I really like the uh, the audience participation, the kind of behind the scenes, um, what goes on, you know, in a movie like that, and I never get bored with seeing the boulder scene. Okay, and Philip, uh, I would say the the great movie ride. Uh, it's it's one of those kind of classic rides. It has the classic movies, the uh, so much history, and, and a lot of the props from the original things. And, and we kind of make it our, our last uh, last thing we do before we leave the park as we wind down in the afternoon. Okay, well, I, I'm going to uh, agree with you on that one. Number five for me also is the, the great movie ride. Uh, I really enjoy it. My wife likes it. The kids, uh, you know, I, I think that they miss a lot of it. Um, kind of goes over their heads and, and goes past them. The, the historical scenes just don't you know, make a whole lot of sense to them. Although the, the Busby Berkeley scene, they make the connection to the, uh, uh, the, the, the Muppet movie that's set in, in England, um, the great Muppet caper. There's a, a Berkeley esque scene and they've, my daughter has made that connection. Uh, and then of course, going to number four, number four for me actually and and it's purely because my son loved it so much is just the encounters with the green army men um 
they're spectacular. They really are wonderful. And the way they interact with guests is unique among part characters. Uh, it was really terrific because he, he was very character shy and he warmed up to them right away. Uh, what about you, Philip? Number four? Uh, at number four, I have the the Little Mermaid uh, uh, show. It's a good chance for the for the kids to get to, to see Ariel, and uh, they really enjoy the uh, the effects with the wind and the water and the uh, the laser the laser light show. How it makes you uh, feel like you're kind of under the water. Okay, and uh, David, what about you? Number four. Mine would be uh, Muppet Vision 3D. Um, it was a show that I grew up with as a kid. Um, so it kind of brings back some great memories. Um, there's a little bit of a, you know, kind of adult humor mix in there. Nothing blue, of course, but enough where the moms and dads are kind of, um, you know, entertained as well. And I think the kids kind of enjoy the, just the overall silliness. And Mark, how, what's your number four? Um, I, I would probably say One Man's Dream. Um, I just, I, I love that that whole studio thing where you can go in and see basically how Walt came about really his, his schooling where he lived everything that um, is basically all encompassing of Disney yeah I was really disappointed it was close for refurbishment when we were there in October so I missed it uh, and I was I was really hoping to get to check that out um, how about you Eric number four number four for me uh, I'll let my uh, big honking geek out uh, star tours <laughs> is uh is my number four and uh we're going back in may so i'm probably going to just miss its opening unless they do a, a soft opening a few days before we try to sneak that in uh, if it's available but uh, but yeah it'll be a be a mess it's, it's one that i do by myself um the girls are a little too little for it and uh my wife does not react well to such rides so <laughs> uh, I'll let them go off, do what they need to do, and uh, I'll get my geek on in, uh, in Star Tours. All right, and, and why don't you turn it around back for us and give us your uh, number three as well. Uh, number three is the Tower of Terror. Uh, it's, uh, I think, what it, it's, I think the most iconic ride there. I know the great movie ride is sort of the, um, the thing that draws you to the park when you're first walking in, but you can see that the Tower of Terror building from uh, you know all over uh, the world so um, it's it's yeah. down to number three on my list because I the past couple times I've ridden it there have been times when it's really good and times when it's a little eh so uh, it's, it's kind of dropped out of my, my top two at this oh, point okay how about you Mark number three uh, number three I'm going to probably go with with star tours um I, I i unlike eric I, I do not like the tower at all it it scares the beverly out of me to tell you the <laughs> truth um, so star tours and i'm really looking forward to going back in october to to see what they've done um and i, I meant to mention that josh is going with us as well this year and we're a pretty big sci-fi geek so we're looking forward to that one okay uh david you're number three um I'm going to go kind of with what you said, Aaron, the Green Army Men. Um, each and every time that I've been to the studios and they have been there, um, it's never the same spiel. Uh, they always do something a little different, a little out of the ordinary. Um, we were there one time and they were mind sweeping and making <laughs> people 
you know, move completely out of the way and then they stop someone and ran the mine over or the mine detector over them. So, you know, just uh, really good uh, interaction with, with the crowds and, um, you know, they always seem to be out there a really long time for photo opportunities. Yes. Philip, number three? Uh, for number three, I have the, the rock and roller coaster. Uh, you know, for not only for the kids, but for the adults, it's, it's uh, I think, just a great ride. It has, you know, great soundtrack, great music, and then the just kind of the speed and ex- exhilaration uh, just makes it a lot of fun. I think everybody, uh, as you watch the, the queue coming off of the ride, everybody has a smile on their face uh, yeah. coming down that ramp. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be right there with you on number three. Uh, my daughter is the, the coaster freak of the family, and she's gotten me back onto coasters. So um, that's one that we do together while my wife and uh, younger child, uh, my son, who's not tall enough for it yet, uh, wait. But um, it is, it's a, a terrific coaster. Um, it's a combination of the track itself, the acceleration, and the soundtrack that you know, gives it that sort of Disney extra with the, the special unique theming that you're just not going to find at, you know, a normal theme park that really sets it apart to me. Number two for me is Toy Story Midway Mania. Um, don't get me wrong, it's a terrific ride. It's fabulous. It's cool. It is technologically advanced. Uh, it's sort of the closest you can get to being, you know, physically inside a, a video game. But the downside for me, and, and I love the fact that we can all ride it together, the whole family, but the downside for me is that the stampede for Toy Story Midway Mania has almost overtaken my ability to enjoy the ride in some ways. Um, it's just not worth the fight. And, I, you know, luckily the queue for that ride, while it's not what you would call interactive or kinetic, it's really interesting, and the, the kids can get absorbed in it, and it helps make the line move faster. But that morning Fast Pass stampede is just insane. And, you know, hopefully the Star Tours update will help to alleviate that to some extent, because I think that, that Star Tours will bleed some of that away. But uh, at least right now, that that was was just crazy. So, Philip, what was your number two? I have at uh, number two, I have the, the Tower of Terror. Um... I just I love the uh, the theming and how the whole uh, lead up to the hotel and inside the hotel just kind of keeps building the anticipation, and then once you actually start the you know the the, the part of the dr- the part of the ride where the where the drop is by that point it's it's just fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know that was one that my brother and I rode uh, together, and as soon as we got off, you know we said we have to go ride it again. All right. And uh, David, number two for you? Uh, number two would be Star Tours. Um, I'm a really big Star Wars nerd. And uh, to get the opportunity to participate in, in you know, part of George Lucas's world um, is really cool to me, and I'm really looking forward to the update. And it's one that I usually have to uh, ride by myself as well. Um, we rode it one time, and the sound went off, and so it was just the motion. And that was the <laughs> last time that my wife has ever ridden that ride. So... Um, but uh, I, I really enjoy uh, the sound effects and um, just sort of that, you know, a few moments where you, you get the chance to pretend that you're, you're right there. Completely different experience without the sound. <laughs> it is. Well, it is in, in, it is in space, so it should be sound, right? 
<laughs> well, that would be outside the spacecraft. So, Eric, what's your number two? My number two is Toy Story Mania. Right there with you on uh, the fact that it is a little bit crazy getting in there. Uh, it's a long wait. And, but really, it comes down to, I'm just not good at the game. That's why it's not number one on my list. Uh, Mark, did I skip you for your number two? Yes, sir. Well, let catch me up. All right. Number two for me would definitely be a, a Toy Story Mania as well. It's it's one of the, the, of the two Buzz Lightyear Toy Story-themed uh, game rides. It's the only one that I seem to smoke my wife on. So, <laughs> and you know, you're right. The stampede there is it's crazy. Um, and the only way that you can actually get to it anymore is either early morning, you know, magic hours, or just going way off peak when you go. We're going in October, and there's the crowd level there is going to be minimal. So, hopefully, we might be able to even get on there once. All right. Um, so, uh, Eric, why don't you go ahead and give us your number one? My number one is the Rock and Roller Coaster. Uh, my wife and I are both uh, big roller coaster fans, and uh, when we were there on a, a trip with just us last year, we rode it about six times during the morning. Um, it's uh, a great way to wake up. You know, once once you get off the first ride through there, you're you're awake. Your hair's <laughs> a little messy, but um, it definitely is a is a nice way to wake up in the morning. And Mark, what's your number one? Number one would, would be uh, Rock and Roller Coaster as well. It's very exhilarating. Um, when you take off, man, it's, it's that is something else. I've never been on a roller coaster that goes that fast that soon. The first time Josh joined us at Disney World, there's a great story there. I mean, we, we did the, you know, you go through the studio thing, and then we've been telling Josh about the ride for a while, and as soon as you walk out of there, they launched one of those, and there's... There's not very many F-bomb moments at the, at the world, but that was one of them. <laughs> but yeah, by far that is, that is the coolest ride ever. Sorry about that, Josh. You couldn't edit that one out, could you? <laughs> All right, David, what was your number one? Uh, my number one would be Fantasmic. Um, I think it's the second best fireworks show. But one of the things that I enjoy is the fact that you have to get there a little bit early and there's a great deal of people watching that you can do before the show starts. Um, seeing people interact with their kids, just families kind of being together and then, uh, you know, the laser show with all the characters coming out and seeing Sorcerer Mickey and, and, and Maleficent is just, it's, it's pretty cool. All right. And uh, Philip, you're number one. Uh, my number one, no surprise, is uh, Toy Story Mania. Uh, you know, with my two boys, we just love the, just the total, the how the queue and the ride uh, is so immersive, and all the uh, uh, within the game also it has a lot of kind of layers, and uh, if you're a, if you're able to ride it multiple times, especially you know close together, you you'll notice a different different things every time. Uh, we we were fortunate to have some extra fast passes, and I think the last time we were there, we rode it three times, and it, every time it was just got better. Well, for my number one, um, my favorite thing, uh, my favorite attraction at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios is uh, Muppet Vision 3D. Uh, the whole family, we're all big Muppet fans. Uh, the kids watch Muppet Show, uh, and they have since they were, you know, four years old, three years old. Uh, my wife is a huge Muppet fan. And so it's, it's just, it's a ride, or it's an attraction that we can all enjoy together, and 
it's a complete package. Uh, from the minute you walk into that theater, you're immersed in the Muppet world, the Muppet universe. It's got a terrific pre-show that's engaging. Um, you know, there's no fast pass, but the line moves fast. They move you into that theater quickly, and the show is engaging. It's funny. It, it's got, you know, somebody else said earlier, that's it's got both the kids' level of humor and the adult level of humor there also. Um, so that... For me, that's the number one attraction at uh, Disney Hollywood Studios. And that may very well change. When we were there, there were some things shut down, including, as I said, One Man's Dream was shut, and then uh, Star Tours wasn't open. Um, so uh, I'll be really excited to, to get my first opportunity to ride Star Tours with Star Tours 2.0 at some point. Aaron, have you ever found the, the hidden one of the hidden Mickeys in the lobby? Or if you look at the window, it says, Keys Under the Mat. I don't think I did. If you actually lift up the mat, there's a key underneath the mat. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thanks for that tip. I showed that to our kids last time, and they, they got a kick out of that one. So that about wraps up our top five. Uh, in some ways, I think this was a little bit difficult segment to do right now because there's a lot that's that's kind of happening with uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios when a lot of that revolves around uh, Star Tours 2.0 and its impending opening uh, just in the next really, you know, few weeks away. And now it's time to get to know a Diz Dad as we do 10 questions with The Duck 619, also known as David Nicely. David, you ready for your turn in the hot seat? I think so. All right. So your first question, where do you live and what do you do for a living? I live in uh, beautiful, balmy Indianapolis, Indiana, um, where it's 70 all year round, despite what <laughs> there. Um, at least in my house. Um, and I, uh, I'm in sales, and I work for a thin, flexible uh, material converter. We uh, cut adhesives, foams, uh, foils for the uh, handheld electronic, medical, and automotive markets. So could you describe your family for us? Sure. Um, my, uh, my better half, uh, Kim, and I have been married for uh, going on 18 years, and we have uh, soon-to-be six-year-old twins, uh, twin daughters. Okay. What is your favorite off-the-beaten-path location in Walt Disney World? Mm. I think it's got to be the pastry shop there in France in Epcot. Um, we try to visit it every time we go. Um, and when you're sitting there in the back and having some coffee and a pastry, you really get that sense that uh, there's not, you know, a few thousand of your closest friends on the other side of that uh, that, that uh, building. Okay. Uh, now, I know this one's a little difficult for Disney fans, but we all have to admit that there's some place in Walt Disney World that is your least favorite place. And what is that place? The bus stop at night when you're going back to your resort. Who is your favorite animated Disney character? Donald Duck. Woohoo, we finally have somebody who didn't answer Goofy. <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you love? The sound of my children laughing. What sound or noise do you hate? Adults who whine. What career, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Uh, I'd like to be an astronaut. I really, uh, I think I would really love the uh, opportunity to go into space. What job would you especially not like to do? You're probably a teacher. They don't get enough respect. And I think that their job is probably one of the most difficult 
and they're they're so underappreciated except for when things go bad and then all the blame goes onto them and if you could be a disney cast member for one year what job would you want to do I've thought about this one because I've heard some of the other guys' answers, and I, there's there's two. And the one is I want to be the guy at the end of the Tower of Terror when the doors open, because you can give everyone one good last scare before they get off the ride. <laughs> um, or I think I would like to be one of the greeters as you come to the park first thing in the morning. Both good. And any particular reason that you would want to be a greeter? Just you know, everyone's so excited to be there in the morning and. There have been so many special encounters our family has had with those first people that you see in the morning. You can you can set the tone for a lot of people's day, and uh, you know really spread a little bit of that magic and kind of just. I've never seen anybody in a bad mood, but I've seen people lift up to you know kind of a different level. Sure. All right. Well, that's terrific, and thanks for uh, giving us a chance to get you know get to know you a little bit better, David. Thank you. All right, and uh, back to our overall topic of today's show, uh, Hollywood Studios. Let's let's address the topic of Hollywood Studios touring strategies, and I, I think we almost have to kind of extrapolate here and, and just make some assumptions as we're talking about Hollywood Studios touring because. As we've been talking, you know, this this new Star Tours ride is going to open here in, uh, what, about a month and a half. And I think that there's going to be some major changes to traffic flow in Hollywood Studios. So what, uh, anybody have a, a, an approach that, that they think is going to work for them based on their experiences uh, up till now in, in the studios? Uh, Aaron, I, I know that our family, we always like to get there as early as we can and have somebody run to, obviously with the rest of the herd, to Toy Story and the rest of us, you know, grab a bite at Starring Rolls. Um, it's a great, great breakfast and it's really good on the um, the Disney dining plan as well. And then after after we get the Fast Passes and going back up, we usually go to the, to the end with Hollywood with the tower of terror and with rock and roller coaster and get those knocked out and then make our way through the rest of the park and down towards star tours and the, the Muppets and down in that area and get those knocked out as well. And then usually your fast pass for toy story by the time you get it is usually four thirty five o'clock at night anyway. So, <laughs> you know, by then you're ready to go back and, and knock out toy story. All right. Um, now, I, I'm going to be the contrarian and say that that I think that at least until we see what the Star Tours 2.0 impact is on that initial rush, I, I have reached the point where I am now of the opinion that the Fast Pass line for Toy Story Midway Mania is a waste of time. That you're better off taking, you know, running with the Stampede but going straight to the standby line get that ride in first, knock it out, and then move on to your uh, Tower of Terror and uh, Rock and Roller Coaster and Star Tours, uh, you know, the other Fast Pass rides, and and do that because it seems to me that the problem with that mad dash to, to Toy Story Midway Mania is that the return time on those Fast Passes starts getting pushed back in a hurry. And you really kind of take fast passes off the table for yourself for half the day. 
Yeah, totally agree, Aaron. Um, especially with a uh, family with small kids like mine, uh, we're not going to go to Tower of Terror or Rock and Roller Coaster with everybody. So it just makes sense to get there while the kids have you know, enthusiasm, but they aren't tired out. They can wait in a line and not get too uh, wigged out about how long it's taking. Um, go through the standby line and then just go on with the day. Absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, one of the tricks to that, too, is that that standby line first thing in the morning doesn't seem as bad because not only do you have the uh, the theming that's part of the, lo- the queue itself, but the Green Army men are all over the place and they're engaging the people in line. Uh, and I know that it made a huge difference for us, you know, having my then three year old son who was, you know, at that time, uh, uh you know, an, an undiagnosed ADHD patient um, who managed to wait through that line because there were all of these wonderful distractions going on around him. Yeah, and I think the other important thing too, like Eric brought up, is if you get through and through that standby line, then you're, you're fairly close to where you can come back to the animation courtyard, do the Voyage of the Little Mermaid, you know, maybe see some of the characters from. Uh, little Einsteins or Handy Manny, whoever they have there. And so there's almost like a reward uh, for the kids for standing in line. Yeah, David, that's kind of the, the strategy we've used is, is going uh, straight to Toy Story. And, and actually, we've been been able to, uh, you know, maybe we're there on, on days when the crowd was a little bit lighter, but, but where I was able to get fast passes and then we were able to get straight into the standby line uh, so that we would have both and then. Uh, just like you said, when we uh, finished with Toy Story, we were then able to do the Little Mermaid and the Playhouse Disney uh, uh, show and, and even the uh, Art of Animation building with the characters. Yeah, and, and let's talk about that for a minute, because I think that that's one of the things that makes planning touring of uh, Hollywood Studios probably more difficult than any other Disney park. And that is that so much of the studios are the shows and planning your your touring around showtimes uh, is particularly tricky. It is, and I think one of the things that you always have to keep in mind is that you're not going to get in and out of seeing something in 15 to 20 minutes. You know, by the time that you get there and wait and see the show, you could easily be 30 to 40 minutes. And so you have to kind of pick and choose your targets. And I think for those of us with the with the smaller kids, you know, we don't even go down the street. Um, where Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster is, except for when it's time to go see Beauty and the Beast. Well, and, and let's talk about that. I mean, you know, I know that for my kids, in, in a park like the studios, you know, I, I probably am not going to get more than, you know, we're going to get there at Rope Drop, and they're not going to last past 2 o'clock or so. Um, they're just going to start fading. Uh, I know they are. They need that afternoon break. So if you know your kids are going to need that break and you have to prioritize, which which shows are going to be most kid-friendly, do you think? I think you have Beauty and the Beast. Depending on the age, The Little Mermaid. Uh, the first time we took our daughters, they were uh, almost three. Um, and one of them was pretty scared of Ursula. Uh, the other one didn't seem to mind. Um but they really enjoyed the Playhouse Disney a lot. Um, you know, they, they do a great job of getting the kids involved in the animation. I mean, they, uh, uh, the little tour there where they got to draw, and when we came out, Lilo and Stitch were there. 
Yeah, that animation courtyard is a great a great character greeting spot that I think gets overlooked sometimes um, because you know you get a, a variety of characters who show up there and it seems that it's it's kind of different on a rotating basis um, and they're often the, the the newest characters will appear there um, I know that uh, from what I understand the the there's a cars meet and greet going on there now they've got some of the the cars uh, characters from the the forthcoming movie that are already greeting guests or getting ready to do that. So uh, present some some opportunities to meet characters that you might not normally get an opportunity to meet. And uh, right. Phineas and Ferb's going to be showing up there in June, I believe it is. Phineas and Ferb and I think Perry as well. May Looking forward 16th. to that. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah, Eric, May 16th. It, when we get to Eric, when we get to Eric's uh, uh trip preview i think we'll we'll hear a little bit more about the uh, phineas and ferb phenomenon <laughs> another one that's that's looked over is the, the you know the the street performers the street atmospheres people you know, i the last time we went with the kids we stopped and we watched jack diamond um you know the diva was out gus what is it Goobleman, the guys you know the street maintenance guys sparky sparks all those guys were out and i'm telling you that those guys are a riot to watch. Well, and the music too, um, Mulch, Sweat, and Shears are wonderful. Just yeah, really talented musicians. They really are. Going back to the uh, Art of Animation building, uh, one of the really neat things that, that my group enjoyed, we uh, did one of the animation classes where they actually had an animator, uh, you know, passed out paper and pencils and, and took everybody through uh, drawing Eeyore. And everybody was very surprised at, at how they turned out. You know, all of our drawings actually looked like Eeyore. <laughs> yeah, that is an overlooked one. And uh, when we went, everyone kind of bypassed it because they were heading over to uh, to Toy Story. And so there was only like seven people in the entire class. We made up five of that. <laughs> we, had, we had my father with us. So it was great to kind of get that one-on-one -on -one interaction with a cast member. Sure. Well, it sounds to me like, you know, we're in agreement that the, the overall strategy, the best way to approach uh, the studios is, first of all, you got to get there early. And then the, the trick really is to know who you're with and to figure out which headliner attractions to focus on, get to those immediately, and then begin to work in the, the various shows in amongst the other, uh, you know, ride type attractions, sort of as they come. Uh, that do I have a, a general agreement that that's that's kind of the approach that makes the most sense? Right. Absolutely. Sure. All right. Well, hopefully that's uh, that's helpful, and and uh, people can get some guidance from that um, and enjoy their trip and maximize their enjoyment of, of the studios. Um, speaking of enjoying the studios. Uh, Eric, you've got a trip coming up soon. I do. When are you heading down to the world? We are going to be going from, uh, we're going to leave actually on May 11th and uh, get there on May 12th. This is our second year of driving from Northern Virginia uh, to just pick up the kids from school, uh, grab some munchkins and Dunkin' Donuts and uh, just head south. Um, we got, um, we'll be there until the 19th, uh, sorry, head back on the 20th, I guess, that Friday thereafter. Um, okay, and, and what uh, what are you most looking forward to with this, uh, with this trip? 
Well, there are a few things uh, that are kind of first for us. Uh, this is our first time we're renting DBC points. So we'll be staying at Bay Lake Tower and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing that. Um, we got a, uh, my wife is very big on the, the view of out of the room. So I ended up with a Magic Kingdom view room. Uh, so we'll be up close and personal with, uh, with the Magic Kingdom. Very cool. Which is nice. Um, we're also doing this without a dining plan this time. And I'm actually looking forward to that because number one, the dining plan price has gone up um, to the point where I'm just it just doesn't seem worth it at all. Um, we're, uh, we seem to, we, this is our first family trip without the, the dining plan. My wife and I took a trip on our own in November and didn't use a dining plan. We found it, it freed us up a lot to, uh, for instance, not get dessert all the time, which um, it, after a while it gets, it gets kind of oppressive. Right. Um, you don't well, have to eat it, but they're offering it to you. So, and you know, you feel like you're not getting the best deal if you don't sure. eat whatever's in front of you. Well, and the fact that you're driving there makes that a little bit more feasible too, because you've got some more flexibility having, having your car there. You can make a grocery run to pick up breakfast stuff or, you know, get to a, a an offsite restaurant if you want to save a few bucks on right. one, one meal here or there. Um, so, uh, you, you had mentioned that this Phineas and Ferb meet and greet had thrown a wrench in the original plans. You want to explain that a little bit? Sure. Just to, to backtrack a little bit. Um, for our family, my wife is an organizational genius. No lies. She keeps us all <laughs> on track, got a bunch of stuff going on, and it's all organized uh, just incredibly well. Disney is mine. That's her break from all this uh, keeping stuff together. Um, she just lets me take care of it, and I feel like I do a pretty good job of it. Um, so I'm the one who you know, gets the ADRs set up. I schedule out park days, mostly around the ADRs, and um, sort of have the flow of what we're doing when. And uh, so I had uh, our DHS day, which we're only going to do one day because with the kids, it's a lot of the rides just aren't feasible for us to uh, to take them on first of all, and um, don't want to split up the party. So uh, we're figuring, you know, a nice kind of long morning at uh, Hollywood Studios uh, would be good. So we planned that for the 14th. And then we heard that Phineas and Ferb were showing up on the 16th. Oh, so close. And my, and my girls love Phineas and Ferb. They are huge fans. So um, all that finally crafted engineering of the trip had to go back uh, to the drawing board. So I'm still in the process of moving things around, seeing what we can do uh, things differently, um, uh, making sure we we're able to get where we need to go for our ADRs because at this point, a little late to be changing the ADRs. So uh, thanks a lot, Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> hey, at least they're going to be there for you. They will, and I'm sure all will be forgiven when I see the girls run up and give them big hugs. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just waiting for your daughters to to go up and you know cock their head and look up at them and say, "What you doing?" <laughs> that is not beyond the realm of possibility at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. 
Uh, so, uh, it, this is a Diz Dads podcast. We have to talk about food. What uh, what ADRs are you most looking forward to on this trip? Let's see. Uh, well, Hoop Did You Review? We haven't done that before. I hear a lot of good things, not, you know, just about the whole experience. Um, so, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, my wife and I have always enjoyed flying fish. That's been kind of a uh, more of a date night thing for us for there with the whole family but this time we're going to take the girls along with us and um, see how they do with it they're both big seafood fans even the the picky four-year-old likes likes fish cool so it's um, another one and um, one of our traditions is the first full day we're there we always go to the uh, princess breakfast princess storybook breakfasts at uh, Akershus in Epcot so that's become a tradition and we're uh, once more going back our first day first full day we're there so those are the big ones I think okay now do you use uh, any of the the online resources for planning your park days uh, touringplans.com or anything like that to, to kind of figure you know estimated park levels or anything like that when you plan your trips I haven't no um, sometimes I'll look at it sort of in passing but you know we've, we've kind of gone back at the same time for the past three years so it's got a, a pretty good sense by now what it's going to be like okay um just overall and um it, it's more making sure we can sort of get the flow right so we've got you know we get there we go to the magic kingdom we, the magic kingdom sort of bookends the vacation and we make sure that we get all the parks we're going to do animal kingdom twice this time because the girls are both big fans of of the animals right so uh we're going to make sure that we get there a couple of times and just making all that work along with another trip outside of disney going over to sea world is um a little bit of a tetris game to get it all all lined up right and sure sometimes it's um you know if it may not hit the optimum you know, crowd levels or the optimum use of extra magic hours, but um, we just have to make sure that it works for us. Sure. All right. And uh, so we're going to be looking forward to reading about that. You're going to be trip reporting it when you get back? I will be, yes. Cool. I will, I'll try to be timely about that. Well, if not, the crickets and pirates will be there. I have heard <laughs> the stories. Okay. Well, there is one last topic uh, revolving around Disney's uh, Hollywood Studios that we wanted to tackle here. And as we said, it's a Diz Dads podcast, and we can't be done without talking about food. So uh, let's let's talk about dining options in the studios. Um, I know they're sort of much maligned, and uh, let's just kind of get a, a an idea of what your take is on the options that are available. What are the best choices? What are the best choices for families? I uh, what Mark had mentioned earlier, um, the star rolls, uh, we have used that numerous times as kind of getting our morning started and doing a little people watching um, for breakfast. Um, and it's kind of nice too because you could sleep in a little bit later that morning if you have younger children and, you know, grab that breakfast. So that's a place I'd like to grab there. And then 50s prime time is always a, always a great destination. Does anybody have a, a, 
you know, Starring Rolls is great for breakfast. They've got some sandwich things for lunch. Anybody have any other good lunch destinations in the in the studios? I know that's one of the frequently criticized aspects of the park. We we really enjoyed the uh, the sci-fi drive-in, uh, the the atmosphere and the uh, the way the tables are set up in the uh, in the cars. Uh, my kids really enjoyed it, and uh, uh, we were able to take my parents with us uh, this most recent trip, and, and they really enjoyed it. It was kind of you know the, the nostalgia associated with it. Uh, you know, the food was was okay. It wasn't anything uh, outstanding, but it was it was not bad. But uh, but the atmosphere was really great. And I've heard a lot of good things about uh, about Brown Derby. Has anybody eaten there? I have. Um, it's it's nice because it's actually one of the very few, maybe the only signature restaurant that's open for lunch. Um, and I did get a very bad meal there. Um, but I think it was just more not to my taste and I sent it back and they brought me out something else that was very good. So, um, I, I give it high marks. It's, yeah. Good customers, uh, good customer service fixes a multitude of wrongs. Yeah. It's, it's a pricey lunch, but like I said, it's, if you want to you know, squeeze in that you know, signature dining experience and you know, your dinners are booked up for whatever reason, it's, it's kind of the only, only game in town. Right. Um, has anybody used the Fantasmic dinner packages? We did that our last trip, Aaron. Um, we did the, I believe it was the Mama Melrose. Uh-huh. Um, and used that, and, uh, you know, it was, it was all right, Mama Melrose. Um, nothing really, you know, to write home about. It, the food was, the food was good. Um, and then we got the, the Fantasmic package, which was really cool because, Instead of the you know the hour walk it takes you to get into it, it was we it took us all of five minutes. There was no line at all. You walk right to your seating. Um, you get the whole you know if you're staring at the stands, the whole left side of it, like the the last two two columns, are just for Fantasmic and for for other reservations like that as well. And we got I think we're at third row, you know right up front. Um, so. The other place that we've tried um, to eat was the Hollywood and Vine. My son and I went there for the character, the, um, oh, geez, who was there? The Disney Playhouse Disney or whatever it was. Right. Characters were there. I think those characters have changed recently. Nice. Yeah, it was was good. The food was good. Um, My son had a blast dancing and playing with, you know, little Einstein guys and, um, that's you know there's not really a lot to choose from there is is one of the major things about that park uh we usually try to you know run over to epcot or something like that for for lunch well and that's what i was just going to say one of the things that i found odd about the studios was that you know being there with small children and being there at rope drop it meant that we were ready for lunch pretty early and it was surprising how many of the uh, even the counter service restaurants just weren't open until later in the day than we, we had expected. Um, you know, we were ready to grab something to eat by, by, you know, 10, 30, 11, and we couldn't find any place that was ready to service anything. Yeah. I think the commissary, the ABC commissary is like one of the earlier ones, Aaron. And I think you're right. I think it's like 11 or 1130 before they open. Right. And then if you end up going seeing something, like we made the mistake one time of going to Muppet Vision 3D, thinking that oh we'll grab a later lunch. Well, then you have everyone around 
the pizza place there, the Toy Story Pizza, and that was just, it was a huge mess. And you're right, there's just limited options. Yeah, and it just seems to me that, that something as simple as opening a couple of those places by, you know, 10.30 or so would alleviate a lot of that, just because... I think that that for some reason the way that we tour around at Hollywood Studios would go more smoothly if we could just kind of snack along the way as opposed to you know sitting down for an hour and a half to have a, a sit down lunch. Yeah, absolutely agree. So does any anybody have a particular counter service favorite at uh, the studios? I like uh, Fairfax Fair actually. It's one of those sort of shacks that are out. Um, Remember that Hollywood Boulevard, um, heading down toward Tower of Terror. Um, they do some like barbecued ribs, barbecued chicken. Um, they do a chili salad and I think a chili dog too. It's just uh, I don't know. It, it suits it suits my taste. Okay. And, uh, Anybody else any particular favorites, or is Hollywood Studios just the place where you you know find something to provide you with a little energy to get through the day and move on? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. <laughs> it's uh, just kind of a kind of a make the rides and get out. Yeah, my kids really like uh, the Pizza Planet, but uh, you know it's it's not very much different than any other arcade that serves pizza. I think that about does it for episode four of the Diz Dads podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks talking about Animal Kingdom. Uh, until then, you can reach us. If you've got questions or comments at our website, disdads.com, that's D-I-S-D-A-D-S.com, or uh, on Twitter, where Podcast, or you can also email us, uh, podcast at disdads.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you, and have a great day. This has been a Wizard of Oz production.